Hello, and welcome to Ferris and Theological Seminary. I'm your host, Rick Walston, and today's lecture is by Dr. Phil Fernandez. The date is September 28, 1997. Let's join Phil now. Okay, I'd like to uh, open today by reading a passage from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 1. What I'm going to be talking about is three world views competing for the soul of America. Now, I'm going to use some terminology that might be uh, new to you, and so I'm going to try to explain the terms uh, as I use them, but a world view is just a way to view reality. Um, it's it's kind of like uh, some people wear blue sunglasses, some people wear red sunglasses. The people who wear blue sunglasses see everything blue. The people who wear red sunglasses see everything red. Different people view the world in different ways. And there's three main world views uh, that are competing for the soul of America. Uh, Christian theism, uh, atheism, the belief there is no God, and pantheism, the belief that God is the universe. And since we're part of the universe, uh, we can call ourselves God. Uh, so that's what I want to talk about today. Uh, brief overview, we're going to discuss the spiritual history of America. And I'm just going to, what I mean by that is basically which of these three worldviews was the driving force in American culture uh, during different uh, periods of American history. Uh, then I'd like to just briefly uh, discuss the three worldviews uh, and their uh, effect on the American culture, and then I would like to argue for the superiority of the Christian worldview, uh, Christian theism. Okay, so I want us to take a look at a few of these things, but I want us to see from Romans chapter 1, I'll just read verses 18 uh, to 24, but I want us to see the the, the connection there that... uh, Basically, if you reject the true God of the Bible, the scriptures teach you will eventually bow down before statues of animals. If you reject the Creator, you will worship the creation. Uh, If you reject the God of the Bible, eventually your culture uh, will uh, deteriorate into paganism, uh, which secular-minded man, the uh, atheistic thinkers, of the 1960s and 1970s thought that they could abandon God and remain uh, uh, in a non-spiritual mode. But the fact of the matter is that uh, we have uh, gone the road of uh, paganism. The Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 24 read as follows. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man 
and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them over in the lust of their hearts to impurity that their bodies might be dishonored among them. Now in this passage, Paul tells us that even though we do not see the invisible God, we see the visible work of his hands, the visible creation. And so therefore we know that the Creator must exist. I, I, I have not seen the uh, carpenter who uh, made this pulpit, but I see the work of his hands, so I know that he must exist. And it's the same way with creation. Uh, still, despite that fact that all men know that God exists, uh, we don't want to serve him. And because of that, what mankind does is we try to pretend that he doesn't exist or we exchange the true God for some false God, some wimp God who's going to uh, uh, allow us to do whatever we want to do. And the New Age movement is, is the ultimate in that area because uh, you'll end up replacing God. You become God uh, yourself. But I want to look at the spiritual history of America and show that America is going down that, that same, the same exact path that we uh, find in Romans 1. Um, God has revealed himself to all mankind, so deep down inside we may deny it, but we know that he exists. Uh, when man rejects that, uh, he then uh, uh, goes down the path of idolatry, false worship, and that leads uh, to Im immorality, sinfulness. And uh, the rest of that chapter 1 of Romans uh, speaks about this. So I want us to look right now at the spiritual history of America and by the way uh, there's a heresy that's going that's becoming more and more popular uh, nowadays and it's called the health, wealth and prosperity movement and uh, a major thrust of that movement is a misinterpretation of Deuteronomy chapter 28. Uh, when you get a chance, maybe today, later on today, or sometime during the week, if, if, if you would just read through Deuteronomy 28 and then read through your newspaper, you're going to see a lot of the things that Deuteronomy 28 talks about. Uh, it's, it sounds like uh, modern events, uh, especially in, in America today. But basically, Deuteronomy 28, the you is in the plural, and Moses is speaking, God is you know, speaking through Moses to the nation of Israel. And God is saying that this is a nation that was founded on biblical principles, the nation of Israel. If you obey those principles, I will prosper you, I will bless you. If you disobey those principles, you will be cursed. Okay? Now, the problem is, that passage is talking about a nation, an entire nation. It's not talking about each individual person. For instance, you get John the Baptist, who was a very uh, godly man, uh, yet uh, he didn't have a dime in his bank account. So you can be a godly person and not be prosperous. So it doesn't work necessarily for the each and every individual. God may not call you to a life of prosperity. You may be obedient to God, and you may be, end up in prison cells like St. Paul for preaching the gospel. Um, but it does apply to entire nations. That is a general statement. If a nation is founded on biblical principles like Israel was and like America was, our nation, 
if that nation is obedient to God, God will bless that nation and prosper that nation. doesn't mean every godly man and every godly woman in that nation will be prosperous, but the nation in general will be prosperous. Uh, I mean, th that passage God predicts, you obey my commands and I will prosper you and basically make you the number one nation on the earth. You will win your wars. Other countries will fear you. Um, but uh, you will borrow to other nations. You will lend money to other nations, but you won't borrow from anybody. But when the nation begins to disobey God's laws, the exact opposite happens. God hits you with plagues. God allows plagues in your midst. Uh, uh, you begin to borrow from other nations. Uh, foreigners move into your country, and you build houses for them to live in, and, and that type of thing. And, and I'm, I, I really... I'm really impressed with many uh, immigrants who come to this country because they, they want a, a part of the American dream and they have a better work ethic than, than we do sometimes and they come here and they succeed because that's what America is supposed to be all about. Uh, but the fact of the matter is many Americans are getting lazy and I think a lot of it has to do uh, with America's spiritual history. So that's what I want to talk about right now. Basically from 1611, the Mayflower, the Pilgrims, to about what I would call 19, I would say about 1960. These are generalizations, and we're going to find that within that time period, there was movement it's at least for 100 years, uh, from about 1860 to 1960, there was movement towards uh, the second stage of secular humanism, which is basically the atheistic worldview, the view that there is no God. Uh, but we can find as early as 1860 movement in that direction. Um, but not all Americans were Christians at any point in its history. At the same time, the driving force, the driving view was Christian theism from about 1611 uh, to about 1960. Uh, it was the, the belief in the God of the Bible and traditional values, the biblical view of God and morality. Uh, there was religious freedom. Um, the pilgrims came here for religious freedom. The Declaration of Independence talks about the fact that all men were created equal and therefore uh, have equal rights, uh, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. Now, our fathers weren't always consistent with that. Uh, I, I praise God, though, that uh, they wrote a document that would later on stir within the hearts of people, just as the scriptures would stir in the hearts of many Americans to fight some of the abuses that occurred early on in America. But, you know, just as Christians aren't perfect, uh, nations uh, based upon Christian principles are made up of imperfect people and, are, and have problems as well. Uh, but the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, giving religious freedom and freedom of speech, and um, even the right to bear arms. Because human life is sacred, you should have the right to protect yourself. Uh, all this was due to the Christian worldview. Uh, how many people here know... Uh, familiar with the Battle Hymn of the Republic. Um, you know, the, it was, the North chose that as, as its basically fight song for the uh, Civil War. And I believe it's the second stanza says that it speaks about Christ and uh, that he was born across the seas, um, that he died for mankind. As he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free. And that, that, was, that was not a big surprise to anybody because the American culture was so saturated with the Christian worldview that uh, it was only uh, expected 
that there would be uh, songs uh, like that that would be popular. Now, uh, uh, on our coins, it was, I think it was even in the it was in the 1900s. I'm not sure if it was as late as 1950, but uh, that we put in God we trust, and that's you know that was just the American way of doing things. Uh, prayer and Bible uh, Bible reading was in the public schools. Um, I, I don't. I'm not one of those who thinks that we should have a prescribed prayer in the public schools and force everybody to say it. At the same time, though, if a guy wants to thank his his God for blessing him with food, if a guy or a gal wants to do that when they're eating lunch, uh, the First Amendment uh, tells uh, Congress and the United States government uh, not to forbid that. So basically, our constitutional rights are now being infringed upon. But basically, um, Christian theism was the, the dominating worldview. Uh, now, there was a movement away from Christian theism even during this time. Eight, about 1859, Charles Darwin wrote The Origin of Species, where he proposed his atheistic evolutionary uh, views. And uh, society be, uh, gradually was becoming more and more secular. Uh, it was getting further and further away from the, from the Bible, uh, from the teachings of Scripture and applying them to uh, moral values, uh, the, the views of government, and that type of thing. A very small document, two very small documents were written in 1933, and then even as late as 1973, they're called the Humanist, Manifesto, Humanist Manifestos 1 and 2. And uh, it basically proclaims the, the basic foundational beliefs of secular humanism. The Humanist Manifestos 1 and 2 and uh, had some very important signers. I'll just give you one example. John Dewey. Uh, today we refer to him as the uh, f father of modern education. The public school system is based upon the teachings of John Dewey, who was basically, he was a socialist, which is, is kind of like the second cousin of a communist. And he believed the best way to take over America from within uh, would be to teach Americans to barely read and write uh, but teach uh, Americans a, a good trade so they could be a productive member in society, but they couldn't read or write well enough uh, to understand the changes that were going on in their government. So that basically it would make it easier for them to be enslaved. Okay? Um, and so uh, John Dewey was one of these signers, but basically it promoted atheistic evolution. It's a very small document, easy to... You could probably pick it up for $3 and... Uh, and uh, read the whole thing in about a half hour. But uh, it promoted atheistic evolution. It taught that uh, tr traditional religion is harmful and that through technology we can save the earth. In fact, they, they, they state uh, no deity will save us. We must save ourselves. Okay. Obviously, that doesn't uh, sound like Christian theism. Okay. So uh, that kind of movement. Now, now, basically, during the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, these guys began taking over the universities. Uh, they began holding government offices. Uh, fortunately, too, they, uh, they began uh, taking over some pulpits as well. Uh, in fact, the Unitarian Universalists are basically secular humanists. Uh, uh, but whatever the case, we even had the, the 1925 evolution trial where, where it was argued that it was wrong to only teach creation in the public schools, we need to teach evolution as well. Well, in the 1980s, the ACLU, which argued both cases, 1925 and in the 1980s, 
contradicted themselves and then argued it's wrong to teach both evolution and creation. Only evolution should be taught because creation involves religion. And uh, so, uh, but 1925, the evolution trial, moral relativism was also uh, on the rise. Uh, let, me, let me explain. Moral relativism is the view that what's right for me is right for me, doesn't have to be right for you, and vice versa. Okay? Rather than recognizing it's wrong for me to kill innocent people, it's wrong for you to kill innocent people, it's wrong for all people to, to kill innocent people, that there's a moral lawgiver, God, who stands above all men, and he tells us what is right and what is wrong, and we better get with his program. Moral relativism teaches, no, no, uh, each one of us can decide what is right and what is wrong for, for ourselves. Um, now, society... Though society, the American society rejected, in general, rejected uh, atheistic, uh, an atheistic philosophy of life. In other, though they rejected philosophical atheism. In other words, mo all Amer most Americans still believe that some kind of God existed, though they were moving further away from the Christian God. They began to embrace uh, practical atheism. So they believed God still exists, but I like to live as if he doesn't exist. Okay? What that eventually led to uh, was America, Americans looking for a God uh, who basically was, would be a wimp God who wasn't going to judge them for their sins. They were trying to, look for, uh, trying to find a God who would allow them to get away with whatever they wanted to do. Uh, from 1960 to 1990, the secular humanism became the driving force in America, the atheistic view. Most Americans were not atheists, but a good portion of Americans were living like atheists, and the, most leaders, whether it be government leaders or professors in the universities, uh, were secular humanists. By the way, you go, you go back uh, to the 1930s, 1940s, and it was very common to have philosophy professors in non-Christian schools who were born-again Christians. When you get to this period, uh, by the 1960s, nothing but atheists were being, uh, were given uh, uh, philosophy professorships. Probably 99 out of 100 uh, of those guys were. Now, now, these guys are getting old, and there are a few dinosaurs still left. Uh, the Dr. Uh, Peter John is one of the, one of the younger, he's one of the younger atheists, uh, that is uh, still around has a professorship, but in the in the larger universities, it's very rare. Well, there's there's another young guy coming up, but this this guy's really sharp, Doug Jessup out of uh, North Carolina State. But for the most part, most of the new philosophy professors that are, you know, the rookies that are getting hired on, these guys got tenure, so they can't be fired. So they're waiting for these atheist guys to die out. But the younger group of guys are a bunch of new agers that are coming on the scene, and. Uh, but secular humanism kind of uh, was the driving force in America between 1960 and 1990. Some uh, evidence of this is prayer and Bible being removed from the public schools in the early 1960s, legalized abortion in 1973, uh, the uh, growing uh, gay rights movement in 1973, the American uh, Psychological uh, Association declared that homosexuality is it's not a sin, it's not a mental illness, it's just an, a healthy alternative lifestyle. Um, and, uh, and then the 1980s evolution trial uh, before the Supreme Court 
they ruled that only evolution could be taught in the public schools. And, and there's been some argument back and forth about uh, uh, how that should be applied and that type of thing. But, but for the most part, uh, you find this uh, atheistic worldview uh, dominating um, uh, uh, the uh, colleges in our nation, the media. The media, in fact, was uh, slandering traditional religion at a pretty good pace in the, in the, during those 30 years, and it's, it's gotten even worse at this point. And then there was uh, also the promotion of the new morality. Uh, what's right for you is right for you. doesn't have to be right for me, and vice versa. Uh, however, even even when you think about the 19, the 1960s was when I believe the secular humanists really took control. They took over the reins of this country. At the same time, right at the right at the outset, there were there was a, there were already movements uh, away from that within uh, uh, America. Um, basically. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, that uh, man does not live on bread alone, but on every utterance of the mouth of God. You see, what Jesus is saying is man is more than just a physical being, okay? There's more to man than just physical needs. Man also has spiritual needs, okay? And Jesus said the only one who can quench our, our spiritual thirst is God, okay? Um... What happened in the 1960s was that a lot of young people, the younger generation, not only did they reject traditional religion, which in America that pretty much means Christian theism, the Christian faith, uh, but they also did not like uh, the materialistic uh, views of the atheists. Both, both the idea that everything that exists is material, but also the... the uh, the idea that a person should go for a career and and uh, have a good living, buy a nice house with a white picket fence and two cars in a driveway and the traditional family and that type of thing. And so many Americans sought to escape that. They rebelled against uh, materialism, uh, against atheism, against traditional religions as well. And they sought religious experiences. They were looking for uh, some kind of religious, spiritual, mystical experience uh, and basically what we got during the 1960s was uh, what we know of today as the hippie movement, okay? Um, and, uh, in fact, Dr. Timothy Leary, uh, well, an atheist, a uh, French existentialist named Sartre, he argued that there was no, no God exists, okay? But he said that if God doesn't exist, then, there's, then life has no ultimate meaning. Okay, life is absurd. It doesn't make sense. But then Sartre said that, but man desperately needs meaning in his life, so therefore we need to just create by a leap of blind faith, create meaning for your life. Okay, for for you it might be, well, I'm going to make uh, my whole reason to live is my car, or my career, or drugs, or whatever. And uh, but uh, that's what's called an existential leap. Uh, try to escape the present reality and, and just invent your own reality, create meaning for your life. Well, Dr. Timothy Leary out of Harvard said, that's great, uh, Mr. Sartre, but I think it'd be easier if we, if we did that artificially through hallucinogenic drugs. 
And so Timothy Leary, who had a tremendous influence on the Beatles, who had a tremendous influence on my generation and the generation before me, uh, Dr. Timothy Leary uh, began to write books encouraging uh, people to, uh, to use, LS, abuse, use uh, LSD and take uh, their existential leave through that. So the whole hallucinogenic drug movement, all that type of thing, that was a rebellion as much against secular humanism as it was against Christian theism. So already there was a movement away from that. Uh, that, that generation was saying, look, um, we are not satisfied with bread alone. We want a religious experience, but we've rejected this God, so we're looking for another God. And then they started looking to the East, to Hinduism, to Buddhism, and that kind of thing. And eventually what came out of that in 19... I would say by about 1990, these are rough dates, New Age pantheism... Uh, began to uh, dominate American thought. And uh, pantheism basically is the uh, belief that God is the universe, and since you're part of the universe, you are God. So Shirley MacLaine can stand on a beach and, and say, I am God, over and over again, and, uh, and that type of thing. But, but what happened is that Americans were seeking spiritual experiences. They rejected the God of the Bible and traditional moral values. But they also rejected the atheistic view as well. And so uh, because of that, Americans are, were and are ripe for the uh, New Age movement. They're vulnerable to the New Age movement, the idea that God is the universe and man is God and there's no such thing as right and wrong, the idea that man can save this, this, this planet. Um, even as far as 15 years ago in 1982, 30% of college-age Americans between 18 and 24, 30%, believed in reincarnation. 65% of Americans regularly read astrology in 1982, and 40% claimed to have had contact with the dead. Now, let me say this about the hippie movement. That was not just a passing fad, because what happened out and let me tell you, you know, I, I grew my hair longer back then, and I got into the rock and roll thing, and I did a lot of stupid things. I was born the first day in 1960, so I was kind of a 1970s hangover of the 60s. But uh, there's a lot of godly men and women that are great leaders in America today that were part of that hippie movement, uh, but basically have repented and recognized that the, this, um, if it feels good, do it lifestyle and, and the, the whole drug culture was a sinful thing to do. Uh, but if we think that the hippies are no more, we're mistaken, okay? Because let me tell you, there, there, an awful lot of these guys cut, got their hair cut. They went out and got a haircut. They shaved. They took a bath. They threw on a three-piece suit, and now they're in Congress. They're in a White House. I mean, uh, I, my, my guess is probably probably 60 to 70 percent of the guys that are in Congress right now and, and the other branches of government, if you looked at photos of them back in the 60s, they were in some way influenced by the by the counterculture and the hippie movement. Now, a good portion of those guys did repent when they got their haircuts and got washed and got the three-piece suit on. Um, but some of them did not. See, see, what some of them said, I'm, um, I'm, I'm talking, to, I'm even talking, to, this has got as far as the White House, but some, some of them said, look, the riots just didn't work. 
We wanted to change our world, and we decided we were going to rebel against authority and rebel against the establishment, and it did not work. Now, why don't we dress like the establishment does? Why don't we act like they act and play by their rules and infiltrate them and work with the system to take over society rather than working against it? So, in other words, just the technique changed. They realized revolution wasn't going to work in America. So rather than uh, bring about uh, a new age uh, through revolution, they decided, let's do it through evolution. Let's gradually evolve society. And, uh, uh, but basically, uh, that led the hippie movement basically led to uh, the uh, 1990s and the uh, new age pantheism. And uh, that's where we find ourselves uh, today as far as the, the, the dominant view uh, in America. Now, just just in case you haven't, you know, read a lot on the topics, uh, I'm just going to just run through a few differences on, uh, just discuss with you what these three different, what these three different worldviews hold to, where, you know, where they differ and all. Uh, an exposition of the, of the three worldviews, but also their effect on the thought of America. Christian theism, obviously the belief in the God of the Bible, and uh, not all Americans. Like you get, you get a guy like Thomas Jefferson, was not really a Christian. He denied that Jesus was God, the second person of the Trinity. He denied that salvation was only through Jesus. He denied that Jesus rose from the dead. But he pretty much accepted the the, the Christian view, uh, the biblical view of morality, the biblical view of government. Okay. Um, but uh, whatever the case, Christian theism is the, is the belief in the God of the Bible, belief in traditional moral values such as you know, practices like homosexuality are sinful. doesn't mean that we hate homosexuals, but we, we, we should witness to them and plead with them to not only accept Christ but to also come out of their lifestyle. Uh, the belief in limited government. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but, but basically it's only really two reasons why uh, we need human government. The first reason is because uh, human life is sacred. The sanctity of human life. In other words, why would you need human government if human life wasn't sacred enough to, uh, you, you know, to be worth protecting? Okay? So number one, human life is sacred because man was created in God's image. Number two, uh, man is sinful. So you have creation and the fall. If man was created perfect but there was no fall, if man wasn't sinful, then even though human life would be worth protecting, there'd be no reason to protect human life because nobody would be sinful, so everybody would be a good neighbor. Okay? But the fact of the matter is, um, human beings are sinful. We do bad things to one another, and therefore we need uh, a government to step in and to punish criminals, to punish people who violate the rights of other people. Uh, but there's a problem there, because guess who leads human government? Humans. Sinful humans. And that's why our founding fathers said power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. That's why they put... Our, you know, everybody says, boy, you know, our government just isn't efficient, because the executive branch is always fighting the the judicial branch, and it's always fighting the legislative branch, and they can't get anything. Our founding fathers wanted our government to be inefficient. 
They, in other words, our founding fathers did not want, want any one man or one group's agenda to constantly move forward. He, he want, they wanted infighting because they did not want any one entity uh, within the government to gain complete control over the people. So, uh, and let, let me say this, if you deny, like, like atheists and New Agers do, if you deny that man was created in God's image, that human life is sacred, and if you deny that mankind is sinful, then the only reason really when it comes down to it for human government is it's a means through which if I get a piece of the pie, I, I get some of that power. It's a means to attain power. It becomes a, an instrument that we can use against other people to push them down and, and, and raise myself up. And we see that in the old, the old Soviet Union. Uh, respect for traditional religion. Uh, Christian theism not only taught that the Christian religion should be protected, but that a man uh, should be free to worship as he feels led so long as he doesn't violate the, the rights of others. Uh, respect for the sanctity of human life. Uh, uh, again, because all, all people were created in God's image. And then respect for human rights. Uh, life, liberty, the pursuit of uh, happiness, uh, property rights, the right to own property. If you don't... Karl Marx summed up communism in one phrase in his work, The Communist Manifesto, as the abolition of private ownership. So when people are saying you don't have the right to build on your land because we found a spotted owl in a tree on your land, uh, you know we're, we're saying the state owns the land, not the people. And uh, so as property rights dwindle, you know the first thing when Hitler started to persecute the Jews, the first two things he took away from them was their businesses and their property. Okay, um, so. Uh, we need to see God gave man dominion over the earth, not the government. And then God instituted later on after the flood, God instituted human government to protect man's rights. Okay? So the people are not supposed to be servants of the government. The government's supposed to be the servant of the people. Okay? Um, the government is supposed to ensure that human beings treat human beings like human beings and uh, rather than to dehumanize them. Uh, atheism the atheistic worldview or also known as secular humanism uh, they, they hold to the rejection of God's existence they deny God's existence they hold to moral relativism you know if it feels good do it uh, there's no such thing as right and wrong and they reject traditional values they always say there's no such thing as right and wrong okay so therefore they would say homosexuality is not wrong but then they would say, but you Christians are wrong for saying homosexuality is wrong. So, uh, you know, and it, it, it comes down to this. The New Age movement and atheism are horrible. They're totally, it's nothing but intolerance in the name of tolerance. What they'll always say, you Christians are so horrible because you can't tolerate other people. We need to tolerate all people. And that's why I, I think, you know, Christianity shouldn't have us... Uh, a forum, a public forum. You shouldn't have the right to to speak out your view. You know, so, so they're basically saying, you Christians need to become like us. We tolerate everybody, and that's why we can't tolerate you. See, and the fact of the matter is, you know, it, what it is is it's like uh, many quote unquote politically correct people have become uh, defenders of the freedom of speech of others so long as they agree with them. Okay, 
So if you agree with me, you've got the freedom of speech. You disagree with me, that's a whole other issue. And so that's not really not the freedom of speech. That's, uh, that's the absence of the freedom uh, of speech. Uh, but uh, uh, atheism argues for uh, unlimited global government, a one-world government to solve man's problems. The Humanist Manifestos 1 and 2 call for a one-world government, uh, the state, a socialistic government, and uh, uh, we're going to find the New Age movement has that same goal. There's a distaste for tra traditional religion. They refer to traditional religion as harmful, something that's holding back human progress, something that we need to get out of the way. There's a low view of human life because man is considered an animal. Uh, in, in uh, secular humanism, so people like Joseph Stalin, an atheist, could slaughter millions of his own people uh, because they were his political enemies. Uh, disrespect for real human rights and promotion of immorality. What, what I'm talking about there is the real human rights, like the right to life, the right to liberty and the pursuit of happiness, those rights are taken away, real human rights, and what is promoted in its place is the, the right to, to sin. Okay, the, the basically the right to homosexuality, the right to abort your baby before your baby's born, uh, the right to, to kill your grandma because you, you uh, would rather spend uh, the money, rather than keep her on the machine, you'd rather use that money for beer and donuts or whatever. And, uh, but it's the promotion of immorality, but then they refer to, you know, they all say they're fighting for human rights, but it's not really human rights that they're fighting for, it, it's uh, human sinfulness is what they're standing up for. Uh, and then again, we mentioned intolerance in the name of tolerance. New Age pantheism is similar in some ways to atheism, but there, there are some significant differences as well. Uh, rather than the rejection of God's existence, New Age pantheism believes in the existence of a God, but believes that this God is identical with the universe. God didn't create the universe. God is the universe. So this, this door is as much God as Phil Fernandez is. Which let me tell you, you know, New Agers who are vegetarians scare me, okay? But New Agers who eat meat scare me even more because, uh, you know, a New Ager considers that cow as much God as he's God, but decides, hey, if, if I want to eat steak, I'll eat steak. So what with the cow? But, you know, what are they going to say to other humans? You know, if life's a little more pleasant for me, if Phil Fernandez is out of the way, you know, so be it. Um, but whatever the case is, the belief that God is the universe, and God is also is an impersonal force. God is an it. God is not a he. God is not uh, a personal uh, being uh, that can give us moral commands. Thou shalt do this. Thou shalt not do that. Um, God is not a God who can love us. God is more has more in common with a... a uh, something like electricity, a power, a force, than he does with, uh, uh, with a person. Um, from this stems the belief that we are God. So you don't have to worship God, you are God. Now this, the Americans, remember Americans said, no, I don't believe that atheistic stuff. I don't care what my philosophy professor says, I believe that there's a God. But I really do want to get, you know, get really drunk on Friday and Saturday nights and look for fights and get into all kinds of trouble and that type of thing. So I don't like that uh, Christian religion where that mean ogre God's always telling me I'm, I'm doing, uh, you know, I'm committing sins and that type of thing. So uh, because Americans accepted moral relativism and rejected traditional values, 
they were ripe for this, for the New Age uh, movement. Uh, again, the goal is unlimited global government to solve man's problems. And it's a, it's a religious drive within them, since all reality really is one. The fact that you and I think we're different people, that's just an illusion. We're just uh, deluded there as far as the uh, uh, New Agers are concerned. But even government, there shouldn't be separate governments. There should be one global government, a one world government, which, by the way, the Bible condemns in Genesis 11 when it talks about the Tower of Babel. Uh, all mankind unite. See, God does not want man, all mankind to unite in, in its rebellion against God. All we do, if God didn't intervene at the Tower of Babel, and if he isn't going to intervene when the anti... if he doesn't, didn't, isn't going to intervene when the Antichrist reigns over the whole earth... Uh, then mankind would basically blow this planet up, is what it amounts to. Okay, so unity, while still in rebellion, the unity of mankind while still in rebellion to God, will only lead uh, to death, destruction, uh, and, and that's why God intervenes. Uh, but these guys want an unlimited global government to solve man's problems. You know, the government always has the answer to them. Uh, you know, you don't turn to God, you don't turn to the church. Just turn to the government, and the government will take care of you. This taste for traditional religion, like Christianity and Judaism, they, they say that, state that views like that hold back man's spiritual evolution. See, in their thinking, man is evolving into a new age of peace and uh, um, a new age of, of peace uh, that is going to be attained when all mankind recognize, when all people recognize that they are God. But these Christians just keep getting in the way. They're telling people that, no, you're not God. They're holding back human progress. Now, you couple this with the next point, and this is really what's scary about New Age pantheism. They have a low view of human life. Now, how, how could you believe that Phil Fernandez is God, as well as everybody else is God, and, and that be a low view of human life? Well... You need to understand that they have this view. It's like mankind is viewed like a plant, okay, or a tree. And sometimes if you've got a couple of dead branches, you just have to cut them off to help the growth of the whole tree. And so in New Age writings today, Barbara uh, Marks Hubbard is, uh, is uh, one of the leading New, new Agers that's teaching this. Al Gore, Vice President Al Gore, in his book, agrees with the United Nations on, on their uh, population control views which basically means, I think it's between the year 2000 and 2040, somehow uh, the United Nations uh, uh, thinks we should cut the world's population in half. Okay? Let me tell you something about dictators. It's easier to control one million people than it is to control two million people. So dictators will always figure out creative ways to wipe out uh, large portions of their population. But, uh, but whatever the case... Uh, uh, there's a low view of human life because the undesirables, i.e. you and I, uh, uh, Christians and Jews who still believe that we are, there is a God and we are not Him, okay? Um, with these undesirables need to be weeded out so that man can evolve. Bar Barbara, it's either Barbara Max Hubbard or Marx Hubbard, but I think Marx is more appropriate, but... Uh, but uh, uh, she recommends one quarter of the earth, of the world's population is going to be needed to to be wiped out. So she's one of the more gentler, the kinder, gentler uh, uh, New Age leaders. Um, all, 
What's that? Yeah, yeah actually, uh, actually, the United Nations does. Uh, it isn't spelled out like it's always spelled out in terms of how we can help solve man's problems. Uh, but the United Nations, uh, uh, on a regular, and the United Nations, I believe, is world government in embryo form. What they're doing right now is uh, it, they're, they're basically emptying out the military arsenal of the nations and turning that arsenal over to the United Nations. So as time goes on, you end up with a... Uh, I mean, this was a document put out before the United Nations by the State Department under John F. Kennedy in the early 1960s of how to achieve peace in the world. And basically it was take the military weaponry of the separate nations, give it to the United Nations, and leave each nation only with enough weaponry to keep order. So basically what it's saying is the American military should only have enough weaponry to use against Americans. Our founding fathers didn't think the American military was supposed to be used against Americans. It was supposed to be used against foreign invaders. Um, so, uh, and, and then that's why when you see your police departments looking more and more, and I'm, you know, I used to, I was a cop for 10 years. I'm pro-law enforcement. But, you know, what we need to do is when we lock up the thugs is not let them out. But as long as we, you know, something like 90% of the crime is committed by 7% of the population. Just to, if that 7% of the population, we just locked them up. You know, it'd be almost the Garden of Eden overnight. You know, we just kept them locked up. But, uh... So because of it, as long as these guys are walking the streets, then all of a sudden our police department, you know, we used to have one sheriff per town back in the days of the Wild West. Now we've got to have cops with uh, fully automatic weapons. It's, uh, I, eventually, why, law enforcement are going to start looking, look, look at the SWAT team, so they're going to start looking more and more uh, like uh, uh, the armed forces. And they're going to roll in the tanks on American citizens and that type of thing. Um, yeah, and, and that's scary, too, because, you see, the way the military does things and the way cops do things are, are supposed to be, law enforcement is supposed to be different, okay? For instance, if you want to protect the, these little children because you think David Koresh is molesting them, which is good evidence that he was, law, a law enforcement agency is supposed to do a felony stop on him when he's driving his vehicle through town.